0: Hey, everybody, it's Keith Trainwater here with Designated Drummer. I'm your Designated Drummer this week, and I also have with me another Designated Drummer, the one and only Brian Pruitt, who plays for the one and only Jake Owen. So, wow, man. (laughs) And he is a great drummer. We just did a show with him recently, and we're we're here today at the infamous Band Cave. So if you hear a train go by, we're right by the railroad tracks, and there's traffic outside. So it's kind of a noisy place, but we love it here. It's just like party central for us. Um, So anyway... uh, we're here we're going to talk about uh, drums and professional drumming and your whole journey and how you started and all that and uh, well, let's just get into it um, so you play for Jake Owen now you how long has it been uh, you've been doing that just this year this oh really fir- this oh my so first it's kind year. of new for you okay. yeah it is gotcha and uh, so um, let's talk first about how you started out in the business you're you're kind of a young guy right
1: Youngish. You, young, youngish,
0: yeah. But you've been around long enough, you know, you've probably been in for a couple other bands. And oh, yeah, like that. absolutely. You, so, uh, did you always play drums, like in high school and all I that?
1: I did, yeah. Ever since I've been about seven, probably. My parents had me wow. in private lessons as a young kid. And uh, my brother was a drummer, so I always, oh. uh, you know, I just always had drums. Three lessons, me. right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I still I say he taught an me. He's older brother, right? <laughs> I still say he taught me everything I know. All right, okay. Well, there we
0: go. Absolutely. Well, cool. Does he? Does your brother play in the industry at all? Uh, Still?
1: You no, know, no. He uh, he he played in a bunch of bands growing up, and went to New York City, and went did some music studies there and stuff, and uh, moved out to Portland, Oregon, was in some bands out there. But now he's really not not in it anymore. So he's always uh, he loves when I send him videos. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You guys see what you're missing out on here, brother. <laughs>
0: Well, that's cool, man. So um, you were in high, you played in high school. Did you play in like band and all that? Oh, in high school? absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The drum band, line and all that.
1: Yep. Any band I
0: could get in. Oh, that's cool. In,
1: man. in school and out of school, you know, anything yeah. I could do to play.
0: Did you do the jazz band thing in school? I always, I always liked that. I did. Yeah. 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 I, I missed out on that. I played trumpet in school and I didn't really play drums until I got out of school, but I always, you know, was a drummer kind of on my own and played trumpet until that just kind of dried up and ran out. And then finally, I think my junior year, I just said no more. I'm going to, focus on drums and but um but so i always envied the guys that could play in jazz band you know well that looked like so much fun
1: i faked it till i made it
0: (laughs) yeah right
1: yeah that was uh i just uh, anything i could play on or in i always did
0: yeah and you practiced a lot Uh, obviously a great drummer so you, you were you like us that when we were young we just practiced every second we could you know oh, kind of thing 20,
1: as much as i could yeah, yeah as much until you'd as you get I could in trouble
0: play. until your parents would say okay enough, enough.
1: no <laughs> they generally never did you really? know um we had a drum set in the basement and or then i put it up in my bedroom at one time but yeah my parents would always laugh because they couldn't keep light bulbs in the house. They were always shaking them <laughs> loose. <laughs> oh. Wow,
0: that's a great story. Yeah, yeah, That sounds like a video treatment to me. <laughs> you know, the band, not just the drummer, but the whole band rehearsing, playing up in your bedroom. Yeah. And light bulbs are going out and stuff's yeah. breaking, knocking stuff off the shelves. Yeah, the old
1: halogen light bulbs, you know, the um, little you filaments. You can't and shake them. them around. No, you know?
0: no, the, all the vibrations. Wow, wow. Our light bulb bill has gone up. It's you know? <laughs> funny. So, yeah, so you were in some garage band bands in, like, in high school? Yeah, so what absolutely. What kind was that, rock or country? Rock or stuff,
1: like? yeah, it was mainly rock stuff, yeah. and, uh, you know. What then, Now, what year would that have been? Oh, boy. And it would have been early 90s. Okay, right. You know, in the early 90s, and then um, uh, my brother was in a, a uh, club band, and You know, I wasn't old enough to go to bars, but I'd I'd go and I'd run lights just so I could just so I could see them play and get get around it all. And it would be every Saturday or what, or you know, whenever they'd gig or something. It'd be an all-day event because take the PA, take everything. But then when he uh, went to New York to go to school, I uh, they needed a drummer, and I knew all the songs and everything, so I started playing bars then, probably about 16. Yeah, and I just kind of kind of filled
0: in could you legally well, obviously you couldn't legally get in there Well, you just, did you lie about your age or did you just no no i couldn't because you were in the band
1: i couldn't drink and i i don't i don't remember you know just so i didn't drink and um You know, my dad had to drive me, so. Oh, yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, so we. uh,
0: I can just imagine, you know, you can't go to bed. It's like, well, I got to go pick my son up at 2 a.m. or whatever. Yeah, no,
1: he'd just come and hang out. It was great. Yeah, we'd have fun. Yeah, it was was fun.
0: So, was a lot of your family into music, or just you and your brother?
1: just me and my brother and then my uh i had two brothers my oldest brother played drums and then my middle brother he played like trumpet in high school and stuff that's cool he ended up playing more like uh sports and stuff and um but then you know my dad didn't really play he was more of a but he played music constantly right you know so there was always something playing
0: yeah and uh and and that kind of Informed you as as who you became. I mean, right? But what you listen to when you grow up, you he, kind of it kind of makes you into who you are, right? Wouldn't yeah, you, say? you
1: know, because he he always, you know, played country records.
0: Yeah, you know, and and your that, obviously,
1: drummer? yeah, and and you know, I was in high school. I was listening to you know all rock stuff, anywhere from you know metal to you know new wave or whatnot, and and realized the influence hearing all those country records all those years right. had on me. Right, and uh, hence brings me to here now. Right. To, to live in the Nashville. '90s
0: was such a great era for country music. Oh, I mean, yeah. it was like when Garth came along and uh, the, the, what we call the Hatacks and everything. And there was a few bands, and we were lucky enough to get our deal in like the mid '90s, '95ish, and it, I think it was a lot. I like to call sort of the last sort of wave of like bands, like real bands, yeah. before the record labels kind of started. Just signing single people and doing developmental deals and then the whole market kind of crashed and everything
1: yeah when you know i i heard records like radney foster del rio yeah. you know that record Brooks and, and Dunn. Just, oh yeah that stuff. that stuff i'm like wait a second this and that was
0: lonnie wilson that played on a lot absolutely. of that i mean of course Paul Lyon played on a ton of stuff, too. But, mm-hmm. I mean, when you when I listen to Prime Country on XM Satellite Radio, which I do a lot in my car, um, it's like song after song after song. It's like Lonnie Wilson. There's Lonnie Wilson again. There's Lonnie Wilson, Brooks yep. and Dunn. Lonnie Wilson, Wade Hayes, Lonnie Wilson. It's just like he owned the 90s, man.
1: Yeah. and that I mean, I I love those records. Yeah. All good those stuff. records. They're so um, good. So what an era. I
0: know, man. And we were just lucky enough to get in kind of at the very last of – of the 90s really kind of mid to late 90s and then we started getting some success in the early 2000s you know and all that when when country kind of crossed over to pop a little more than it had before you know um but you remember in this i don't know if you remember you're too young to remember this but in the 70s country music on radio like there wasn't really much country radio it was kind of really there was a few am stations yeah but everything was pop radio and all the country artists were sort of lumped into the pop stations yes so you would hear something like uh you'd hear like boston or you'd hear uh kansas and then you'd hear charlie daniels and then you'd hear dolly parton would be on one and some of the pop stations it was adult contemporary they would play like Lionel ritchie and just the adult just normal pop music would you'd hear like uh um And Alabama started to creep in there a little bit, yeah. Yeah. And you'd hear Kenny Rogers, who was really kind of—he was country, but he was sort of accepted as just like mainstream, you know. Absolutely. But those people, you know, they were just like lumped into the rest of the thing. And then you started getting when the urban cowboy craze came along, you started getting country stations, like there were just country stations on FM radio, and they started popping up everywhere. And then uh, so here we are. But uh, so you. we're in high school, you played when you were about 16 in the clubs and things like that. What led you to your first sort of professional, like or like making a living at playing drums, like once you got out of school and all that?
1: Yeah, you know, I am moved to Nashville, and uh, I took internships at some publishing companies. Now, where did you move yes. from? I moved from Pennsylvania.
0: Okay, I'm all from right.
1: I'm from a town called La Trobe. It's about an hour out of Pittsburgh. Okay, right. And uh, Rolling Rock Beer okay (laughs) Uh and um yeah i moved uh it was funny i i got out of school and a a friend of mine and i we couldn't wait to get here so moved here on like drove on like new year's day we just enjoyed new years and christmas holiday and moved here immediately and then uh before i moved here i'd done some internships at some publishing companies because i just and so that, was that was after a, high school as
0: well? Yeah, was, right. this right. was after college, yeah. After so college, I, in college,
1: right. I, I come down in the summers and did some internships and stuff and met a lot of people and just kind of got a feel for everything. And then um, when I moved back down, uh, you know, a- after college, then I uh, got some job, uh, you know, some part-time jobs in some publishing companies, and I got, like, a full-time, like, tape copy job at a publishing company. And then uh, that's when I got my first first road gig. Back when they used tapes. Yeah, Tape? yeah, exactly, <laughs> wow. exactly. And then I got my first road gig, you know, at that time and left there to go on the road. And, yeah. and uh, who was that with? That was with a artist named Mindy McCready. I remember Mindy yeah, McCready. Yeah, Mindy, yeah. She, so, I
0: believe, was on our same, was he on our same label? I think she was on our same label.
1: Yeah, so then I uh, I went out and uh, a good friend of mine, Jimmy Ritchie, and I he, he was the he was the band leader, and we, uh, we uh, you know, Hit the road from there, and then pretty much haven't looked back since.
0: Yeah, right. You know. And so, uh, so after Mindy McCready, what, who did you, what happened after that?
1: Oh, I've played with a, you know, Just a bunch of people. Of yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. Um, you know, um, I've played with Leon Rhymes and a wow. bunch of bunch of different people. You know, yeah. throughout the years.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I, did not, I didn't know you had played with that uh, diverse of a, a, you know, artist roster. You know, you'd played. With so many people
1: yeah 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 and then even when you know i wasn't on the road you know when i wasn't really touring just doing a lot of sessions and or just doing sessions um i'd still always go out if somebody needed a, a sub fill in you know so yeah. i always enjoyed that challenge of even not yeah. getting a rehearsal writing some charts and here's the show let's go yeah. play you know I've, I've, I've always enjoyed doing that i love yeah. the challenge i think it
0: that. takes a certain skill set to be able to go out and play with the bit to know how beginnings and endings and tempos and things like that are
1: i think challenging recording doing sessions and reading charts all the time really helps you with that you know really i feel at home just reading a chart now how
0: did the whole session thing come out you started doing demos just Uh, the typical you do demos for a while and then people say hey let's get him on this record
1: i always enjoyed recording that's still my that's my passion i just love it there's magic there isn't it um, yeah i just love the whole process uh, every 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 bit of it and um so yeah i've always wanted to do that and then just i met some friends that you know gave me some shots to do some things and from that you know just it just kind of gradually I wouldn't say cannonball, but just gradually increased workflow wise to right. where then all of a sudden you're like, Well, wow, I'm really doing this. Yeah. And it's pretty pretty awesome.
0: So, um how did the you're a producer as well, a really good one. And uh you've been that keeps you busy. Um how did you get into the producing thing? Was it a natural
1: Again, yeah, I just I'm a I'm a I just love music. I listen twenty four seven, like and all kinds of music and yeah. um It's just a passion of mine, too, something I always wanted to do. It's just like I love being able to hear something and facilitate that vision, you know.
0: What do you think the most important trait of being a musician like yourself and a producer is? Is it sort of a hands-off thing? Like you let, you know, I know a lot of producers will let the musicians in the room Mm -hmm. sort of you know, keep things going and keep the creative juices flowing, you don't really step in unless you need to, or are you more of a, it's kind of like, this is how it needs to be.
1: I think it's a case by case scenario, you know? Um, obviously if it's something I'm creating and playing everything on, obviously there's not that input at all, but, um, I'm a, I'm a, a lot of the stuff that I'm producing, I'm playing on too. And that, um, I have a preconceived notion, maybe just what the groove's going to be, but yeah. then again, I don't ever want to force anything on yeah. anybody creatively because you, you know, you yeah. may miss that magic. Like, how you do saying. you produce
0: from the drum stool? I mean, how does that work? Are you out in the room, or you uh-huh. in a in a little? You're yeah. out there where you can sort of talk to everybody. Absolutely, and, yeah.
1: absolutely, yeah, and um, just go from there. Yeah. It's you know, I it'd be like leading a even like yeah. le, leading sessions and things. Um, it's the same same sort of concept, yeah. except you're just you're seeing the whole
0: project through. That's crazy. I just cannot imagine. I know that in my mind when I'm playing sessions, uh, and I say this a lot on my podcast. I'm just repeating myself, but for, I'll say it again for you. There's three th- main things that go in my mind. Mm-hmm. Number one is. Uh, The click track that's in there, you got to focus on that. you got Mm -hmm. to focus on playing precise. That's one thing. Then there's that other thing of like, where are you in the chart? Where's the song? Mm -hmm. What's coming up next? What, you know, changes on the fly? Did we change that course? So your brain is kind of going there. It's like, what are we doing? And then there's that third thing of like, oh, yeah, I have to be creative. I have to play licks and things that sound cool, and I'm not just like a drum machine, you know? So those three things going on at once. And then you add the fourth thing for you, which is producer. You have to listen to what everybody else is doing and kind of like make comments of like, oh, that wait, that guitar part was different than, or that sounded a little off there. And he needs to tune his guitar.
1: Yeah. you're you got How do put... you keep all that together <laughs> in your brain at once? I don't know. It's just, it's, um, I don't know. It's just something I do, I
0: guess. <laughs> I remember Dan Huff, when he was producing us, he used to, I used to be, I used to marvel at the way he would sit there and play, because he played guitar and he produced from the guitar chair there and you know we would play a take and then he would and of course he would play awesome of course along with Michael our guitar player and then he would stop and then he would say hey uh, listen um, so and so over there uh, Paul Franklin could you play that other and he would just like make comments on every single person he'd go hey Keach, that kick pattern he goes you're not doing the same kick pattern that you did last time keep the verses and the chorus separate. And I was like, how is he hearing all that? How does he know <laughs> that I did that? I'll sneak in a little thing and he'll catch it. But you've got to be like that, right? Yeah, you got to be it, that yeah. guy. Yeah.
1: yeah. And um, I don't know. It's just, it's just, I love it. That's, yeah. that's the, it's the most fun to me.
0: Yeah. You're in your element. You're in the zone. Oh man. yeah. Yeah. And uh, and of course, you know, I always learned that Paul Lyme, you know, what taught me back oh, in yeah. the day, if you're not early, you're late. So especially as a producer, you got to, you just got to be the first one there you got to be there when they're making the coffee man because you're going to be setting everything up or do you have help do you have somebody engineer set oh, everything up and you just walk in and you're yeah, ready to go yeah kind
1: of, you know we have cartage that sets yeah. up the drums and stuff and i mean obviously i got to get sounds and and you know i have a you know couple engineers that i'm very familiar with and they're familiar
0: yeah. with me so that always helps now are you a, <clears throat> a writer as well? Do you write and produce? Kind of? I,
1: I am. I don't write much, but I, I have and, yeah. and, and, and do,
0: yes. Now let me, let me switch tracks for a second about the writing as a drummer. How do you? What's what's your process of writing? Do you come up with the drum beat kind of thing, or do you just sit with a guitar? Are you like a really good guitar player?
1: No, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm a I'm a very uh, very mediocre guitar player okay. at best. Right. <laughs> but uh, just enough, you know. And it just depends what situation I'm in, you know. Um, sometimes, you know, especially nowadays, you know, I've been in writing sessions where I'm bringing my laptop in and. I'm um, creating a track as we're as we're writing okay, yeah. so that's that's a complete a whole new thing do you come with an
0: idea or do you co-write the people co- it's a sort of all over the it place depends. they bring ideas sometimes
1: you, I'll have a track an idea pull up something up with, oh yeah and I'll start grooving on that or yeah. sometimes I'll you know I get there and somebody's playing something and then I'm just kind of catching up from the back and you know trying yeah. to figure out some neat things to help push it along
0: um, and the lyrics just kind of come along and I've, I've heard a lot of writing. I've been in a few writing sessions and yeah. I, I really, it's amazing process where they'll sit there and they'll, they'll, they'll strum through some chords and they'll hum words that don't exist yet. Oh yeah. It's yeah. so amazing. No, it's... And they're like, mm, yeah, she walked in the, mm, yeah and then cut to, uh, a week later, you're in the session and they're cutting it and there's words and there's lyrics and Hell it's yeah. a full song and it has like meaning and... You know, it has imagery and all that stuff. That's amazing process. Do you enjoy that? Do you enjoy do. the writing?
1: Yeah, I do. I, I really do, because, again, I'm creating and kind of producing a track at the same time. Yeah. And I just love the creative
0: process. Do you get to produce what you write a lot of times, like the, the songs that you write? The demo,
1: yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, the demo, Yeah, right. yeah, okay. do the demo.
0: So the, for those that don't know, demo is where you go in and you just cheaply produce... A sort of an idea of the song—it's like a rough sketch—and you don't spend a lot of money or time on it. And then you pitch that demo to other people to go and write the song. I'm sorry, to record the song for real in a probably a bigger studio somewhere, you know, and that kind yeah. of thing. And so,
1: nowadays, a lot of the demos end up, you know, becoming on the out, on the track, way, yeah. Too, yeah, or or elements of it, yeah. you know, depending, you know. Did you ever hear the
0: story about uh, old time rock and roll by Bob Seger? Which story? The story is that. They were, I saw this on a documentary, they had run out of money on that album, whichever one that old, you know, you take those old oh, records yeah. off mm-hmm. the shelf, that one, and they had already finished the, they they, they ran out of money. They almost finished the album, but they needed one or two more songs. And Bob Seger really liked that song. It was a demo from a guy in Muscle Shoals somewhere there yeah. that had written the song and demoed it and all that. And Bob Seger wanted to cut that song. Well, the musicians were saying, well, we've already spent all the money. We, we don't have any more money to, cut to spend in the studio, and, and they said, well, here's a suggestion. If you really want that song, we actually played on the demo. I'm talking about, like, the Muscle Shoals players. Yeah. They go, we already played on the demo. We have the tracks here. We'll just take that guy's, I forget the guy's name, uh, writer there in Muscle Shoals. We'll take his voice off and put your voice on, and then that'll be that. So, And I always remember as a kid listening to old-time rock and roll, thinking, like, the drums sounded sort of real dry and sort of just basic, and there was it didn't sound to me like there was a lot went into that Mm -hmm. song. And then years cut to like decades and decades later, just recently I saw that they had used the demo tracks on the actual album track. And I thought, aha, I always knew that. I always knew that there was something kind of like less than you know the, that that track in the studio, there was always something kind of watered down about it, or something that was just not the same as yeah. the rest of the album, and that was it. Now I've got I'll my to answer to that. That with yeah.
1: the, with those ears this time. Yeah, because as a drummer, you know it's
0: just yeah. like, it's just like basic mm-hmm. four on the floor, n- not anything special. And I think they probably brought in somebody to do like that saxophone solo or something like that. But pretty much it was already all laid down. The demo. you're, you're listening to the demo. Yeah the music of the demo and then of course Bob Seger went in and did his vocal thing and it was the history was made at that point
1: see back you know it used to be that with a demo like we would cut a demo and like you said you would recut it to make it quote sound better right well now a days with the technology that we have in things the, that almost can get thrown out the window because right. we're we're cutting a lot of it all in the same gear and in yeah. the in the in, in the in the same DA or whatever yeah. and so the same converters and things yeah. like that.
0: So and with Pro Tools you can kind of line things up and yeah, you know even though it's something wasn't flawless mm-hmm. it can sound flawless when you you're. You can done enhance with it with yeah.
1: some samples if you need to and stuff. So, um, you know. That, that process, you know, sometimes, you know, I'd see more demos being used because of that. Yeah, right. You know. I can um, totally see that. Where, and
0: then whoever you have Mix-It, you know, the mixing engineer, they're the one that really kind of, it's like the editor of the movie. You know, yes. they make the magic really when they mix the whole thing yeah. know, and edit it.
1: That's one thing I can't do is mix, uh, I'm yeah. gonna <laughs> we'll oh, leave
0: yeah. that to the pro. I had Mills Logan on a few weeks ago, and he's amazing. I love Mills. mixing, he's doing all the surround sound yep. stuff from those classic Atmos albums stuff and stuff. The, yeah. oh, he's amazing, and uh, I learned a lot. I learned a lot from every podcast that I do, mm-hmm. but um, but he really just because I'm not an engineer and I don't come from that line of work, you know, but it was interesting to hear his perspective on a lot of stuff, especially drums. and yeah, I've like known Mills
1: a long time. He's a he's an amazing engineer. Yeah, and he's a great really good. guy. Cool him. guy, man. Yeah, he's awesome.
0: Um, so you produce and you write and you play drums with Jake Owen. Now let's talk about how you got. Let's say how you got with Jake Owen. Was it just word of mouth? Did you audition?
1: No, no. Um, I was at home one day and a number came up on my phone that I didn't recognize, but I was like, a lot of times you know you look, it's like oh telemarketer, and I was like,
0: yeah,
1: wait this looks like a I'm gonna answer this and it was looks it was like Jake oh, it okay. was Jake and, and I've known Jake a long time okay and okay. uh you know and he said me. what are you doing for the next yeah. 20 years and that's <laughs> that's that's literally how that happened wow through, awesome. you know and that was fairly recently right yeah, just before that, COVID that, or, or it was... that would have been like in April-ish yeah you know so wow. yeah what six months ago? Wow, with COVID going we, on and everything. Yeah. yeah, we've had a blast. I've wow. just had the time of my life. I've really awesome. enjoyed it. Great band, great crew. And you're the band lead? Me. Is that right? You're the band leader? Uh, no, 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 oh, no. no. Okay, no. I thought you were. And, um, but uh, we've just had a blast. I've enjoyed playing live so much and yeah. seeing people again, and just it's 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 really energized me, and it's it actually bleeds very well into session work too because i don't know you just go in there you you know you you just go in there with a whole i don't know you've you've played played live you got some different licks maybe you've you know and just those chops and things and you you in a way can go in with a different confidence in the way sometimes i've enjoyed it it's been great yeah and you get to
0: play what uh kenny arnoff played on oh yeah because yeah some of the early early stuff i yeah. remember we were doing a lone star session we were and i would go in because i don't do the cartridge thing i bring my own mm-hmm. i set my own yamaha kit up in there and um i was setting up one night and they said well as soon as they clear these out um jake owen was just doing a session and it was kenny arnoff and i kenny. just missed him yeah i had just gotten there and he had already gone. Yeah. And they were just doing some like overdubs, some steel and, or something like that. And they said, We're almost out of here. We'll do like 30 more minutes. And I looked down there and there was like wood chips all over the floor. <laughs> and I go, You just missed Kenny Arnoff. Oh. He just played. And I was like, Dang it. And so they played some of the tracks that he yeah. played on. It was freaking awesome. He's amazing. Yeah. And, so, and I thought, That's cool that he's doing like Nashville sessions. And I had heard that he was playing around a little bit here in Nashville. Yeah. He's, and uh, he's awesome. Yeah. So you get to play what, you're lucky you get to play what he played. Um, so, um, are you doing any, um, uh, sessions with, with him, with Jake Owen coming uh, up or anything?
1: Not right now. No, not at, not at the present time. So
0: you just do another, like producing, what was the last thing you produced?
1: Well, when we say produced, what I've been doing now is just working with some like independent artists on some pop tracks and things of that wow. nature yep. that I'm working for on for some other producers and stuff. Yep. Um, you know, that, that I've been creating tracks for so now you mentioned we
0: were talking earlier and you mentioned that kind of almost like re- having to reinvent yourself a little bit you've been doing a lot of yeah. stuff what they call in the box like mm-hmm. someone will so a client will say hey we need to build this track in the computer yes. and then we'll go from there so it's not even real drums so you've been programming and absolutely doing yeah. a lot of that stuff producing yeah and there? i
1: think i think that's one thing if i you know um being well versed in all that stuff right at this point because you know Playing drums is one thing, but you know, a lot of the the musical styles now, like you say, it's 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 synthetic drums. Right. You know, yeah. it's all programmed. So I, I think having a knowledge of all that stuff, there's not a session I don't a session I do where I don't have my laptop right and those capabilities ready to go. Right. Even you. if we may we may not use them. Yeah. But the the day I leave at home is the day they go, Hey, we want you know you know whatever the hot new track is of the day and it's all it's all this loop stuff yeah you know and because i mean there are tracks where people hire me to put a drum track on at home or something and then i'll i'll just kind of tell them i don't need to play drums i need to actually program program them because that's what their reference track is And uh, I just think being able to do any and all of that is is very advantageous in in today's market.
0: Yeah, are you do you like real drums better than like when you're listening just as a fan? If you're listening to somebody, or does it doesn't really matter? It, just I like it on all. That. It's yeah. just
1: it just depends how it's done. I yeah, mean, there's there's the air of of real drums, and then sometimes there's. A low end you can get out of a programmed kick drum that yeah. you just can't get out of that's a, a real one, so a good, it's um and sometimes it's a hybrid it can be know. a
0: mood thing maybe you know, absolutely like, like it sound it needs to sound eerie or something like that yeah. absolutely that's cool, so
1: yeah it, it just again case by case scenario, yeah. You know
0: so. i just love it when it's kind of mixed up like that my favorite thing is to listen to a song with a little loop in the beginning and it kind of builds mm-hmm. and then when those when that kit comes in man when it's like this big fill and then the, you hear the the snare the mm-hmm. snare the sound of the snare when you hear it for the first time yeah. in a song usually like when the chorus kicks in or something like that i love yeah, I that i think you're
1: talking like we were talking about kenny earlier is that uh i think it's the michelle branch song everywhere yeah. you know it's got those those loops in the intro and and the first verse and then Kenny comes in in a chorus and just it's a whole nother dynamic yeah yeah yeah, absolutely you know
0: it's like a person there that's like and that's Kenny Arnoff playing man
1: yeah and I mean a lot of the you know uh country in the early 2000s I guess it was very much like that yeah you know um with a lot of loop and and today now too you know a lot of the verses and you know, loopy, loopy yeah. feels, and then you get into the courses and it's, you know, yeah. big old arena rock drums, and yeah. then back down for the verse.
0: Wow, yeah. I talked to Paul Lyme for a long time in one of my podcasts. It was like an hour and a half we talked, mm-hmm. and uh, he was talking about having to kind of reinvent yourself a little bit, like back in the 80s when yes. it was we, all you heard was the Lindrum and things like that. He said, we had, to, we had to kind of change the way we played a little bit. We had to reinvent ourselves. First of all, we had to learn how to program that stuff, oh. because if you could program a drum a Lindrum or whatever, and then you could get work doing you could, you know, still work yeah. and that kind of thing. And uh, you could program uh, beats and things like that and then play real drums on top of it, which yes. if you've ever seen him do that, is amazing. Oh, he's, he's fantastic. He can sit there and tap in with his little cat pad, a little beat, it quantizes it, and then he just turns right around, which is sitting to the left of him on his kit. He turns right around starts playing the kit with it, and it's almost like that drum machine that he just programmed is almost a part of his body. Yeah. He, you Just the way he grooves to that thing. And then
1: you almost have to... Adjust your drum part to weave in and out of that.
0: Yeah, right. So it, you know, and that's yeah. an art so form. That sounds in like itself. a real person. Yeah. yeah, it's an art form yeah. in itself. You know, Michael, uh, our guitar player, Michael, he had a good point. He said that he had read somewhere that when you have something like a drum machine that's going and it just plays the same thing over and over and over again, the human brain will tend to kind of like forget that, mm-hmm. like it's not a thing anymore. It's just like it's kind of in the background. You don't really you're not bringing any attention to it but on real drums as soon as you hear a real drummer playing and you hear it and he does kind of a a fill or make a little mistake or like a, you hit the stick instead of the rim, you know the the rim instead of the the head kind of you yeah. hear those little events in there and it's like oh there's a real human back yeah. there playing and it becomes like it brings it to your attention a little bit and so it be kind of becomes part of the song in, in a good way
1: yeah and that's one of the hardest things is you know as a player in things we We always want to make everything perfect. Right. You know that. Yes. You know, when we're in there cutting the drum track. You know, we're the most, we're the hardest on ourselves than anyone will ever be. Right. You know, when we listen back. And it's those idiosyncrasies, those, I don't want to call them mistakes, but you know, those, those things that, and it's, it's getting to that comfort level and knowing when to go. I want to leave that
0: yeah I want to embrace that when and, to say i want that i like yeah that, I and that.
1: Yeah. sometimes i have to listen to the other people on the session like there was a instance one time i did a drum fill and and i don't know what happened but somehow the butt of my stick or something hit a symbol inadvertently in it oh wow and and i was like okay i want to punch I'll that, punch that. Yeah. and the guitar player was like please don't you dare he was like that is so cool. And I wow. listen back. And now every time I hear that record, I think about that moment and I'm like, I'm glad I didn't I touch glad. that. You know, sometimes you just yep. got to listen to other people that wow. are listening with different ears than you are yeah. because we're so hyper-focused on our individual part that you yeah. don't hear the, you, you got to listen to the big yep. ears, you know? You know, I,
0: and I, I mentioned this a lot in my podcast that, that I, learned that I've learned, uh, read recently that, um, they say that, um, and I'm going to make my point in a second. They say mm-hmm. that, uh, amateurs work to get it right. Professionals work to never get it wrong. I mean, there's, it's yeah. th- just like stuck with me. Yeah. And, uh, and what I mean by that is, um, I'm not saying that, that pros, like a, a seasoned pro never makes a mistake, but it's how you cover that. Or, or if like, almost like how you play it, like you meant to do it, even though in your mind, it was kind of a little mistake, yeah. but you 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 rolled it into something cool. Yes. Yeah. And I think of people like Steve Gadd that seem like they just never play anything wrong. But what they're doing is that they, they'll play stuff wrong all the time, but they play so, whatever you recover for how you play it's after that. It's how you that, get yourself out of the hole. How you come out of it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, well, I admit it. You know, I, I it was like, I did that on purpose. Yeah. In a way. I mean, you kind of.
1: And even if even if you do, you know, make a mistake like that, it's almost like, you know, you just hear like the analogy of the quarterback. You gotta have a short term yeah. memory. You just threw an interception.
0: Yeah. Right. Exactly.
1: But you still yeah. got you still got two and a half minutes of the song to record. Yeah. And you may just have that one little thing and everything else is wonderful and yeah. everybody else's takes great. And, you know, we'll go back and just address that. But yeah. right. it's like that. How do you not think about that the rest of the two and a half right. minutes? How so you not get ruin a great the rest take. Of, yeah, right.
0: Yeah. yeah, that happens on stage a lot when we. Uh, oh, big To time. this to, to this day, somebody makes a mistake, and everybody's thinking about that, and sort of, you know, that's like attention to that. Then you forget something, and then they yeah. forget something. and It's almost like a You've train. You got ramp. to have that short-term yeah. memory. You got to go. Okay, well, we're moving on. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and and that's that's a very hard thing, and I think that's just something you. I mean, I think you probably attest. You just kind of, kind of, over time learn how to cope with that, yeah, you know, recover, and get better to, at that, uh, yeah, you right. know, because every great musician that you've ever seen has had a moment, yeah. you know, and of it's course. just, it's how you, how do you, how you
0: move on? Yeah. How
1: do you move on from there? Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. I always tell people, you know, like when you watch, uh, like a high school band or something, you yeah, know, they make flubs and mistakes all the time. You watch a concert, like, uh, I don't know, like, um, Chick or something playing. It's like those, you don't hear them make mistakes. They do, but you don't hear it. yeah they they're, to you know they're kind of almost flawless yeah it sounds like they're flawless but that they're just covering for their little micro mistakes and making it something cool you mm-hmm. know anyway um so out on tour with Jake and that must be awesome yeah it's um, a blast and so how what's a typical day like for you uh you you know as a as a drummer slash producer slash songwriter what would be a typical day for you like a busy day
1: well it, it, you know Days I'm in town, you know, I would, you know, hopefully be tracking drums all day. So, oh, yeah, right. you know, if you're doing that, you wake up, get up about six. Yeah. And, and do some stuff around the house, you know, try to get to the session by nine, you know, sometimes 9.30 depending in that yeah. area. Depending at a 10 o'clock session. For 10 o'clock, session, is, for you get 10 there o'clock early. downbeat. And then there's days where then you do a, a 10, two, and a six, and you'll get home at, by the time you wrap up and get done and, you know pack up a few things that you want to take home because you may need it for the next day because you may not have cartage or whatever yeah. you're getting home about 11 if you have a full day and then you're getting in bed and do it again hopefully yeah um days when i'm working at home you mm-hmm. know still saying like I try, like that i try to i try to hopefully if i got something to do um you know you start by 10 o'clock hopefully and uh try to try to get, get it all done before, you know, my wife gets home. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what I used to do, I used to stay up till, like, oh, I'm, I'm awful staying up till 4 or 5 in the morning oh working gosh, on yeah. things. And, you know, now it's like a lot of times I'll, like, go up at, like, 10 o'clock and start working or something at night if I got something to do. But now I find myself, like, trying to get to bed early, and I'll get up at, like, 5 and start, yeah, you know. Right. Yeah. And, uh, then, you know, that's... That's I think your ears thing. are a
0: little more fresh then, you know, if you're doing something like a mix or you're.
1: Yeah, and I can drink more coffee in the morning. <laughs> there you go, right? Yeah, that right. keeps me going. As opposed to like
0: falling asleep. In, Absolutely, in front
1: of the but there is something to be said about when your body shuts down at night and some of the stuff that you can create. And, um, you know, I think there's some validity to that too. You know, the phone's not ringing, you're not yeah. looking at your phone.
0: I used to love that when I was younger. I used to stay yeah. up till three, four in the morning yeah. just because I thought there's nobody. It's like I own my own time. Nobody's bothering me. It's like I can just, like, go crazy.
1: I don't know know what it is. I I always seem to be a – even if I I have a week to do something, I don't know. I always seem like I end up at the last day, like, having to cram it all in. But that's – to me, there's something about that. I talked to a friend of mine the other day, and he's the same way. And it's just there's something about that. Forcing yourself, like, oh, I've got to be creative immediately yeah. now, or, right? Or yeah. you know, setting creativity a time. on demand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's something about that in yeah. ways because sometimes I think I can, you know, if you have too much time, you can get in your way.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, what, what kind of
0: drums do you play? What are you endorsed or Yeah,
1: uh, I endorse a bunch of great companies, which mm-hmm. they've been amazing to me throughout the years. I'm with DW Drums, okay, and LP yeah. Percussion. Nice. And they've been amazing, and. Uh, with Vic First, sticks, mm-hmm. Zildjian Cymbals. I'm a Zildjian guy. Yeah. And endorsed. And, and, and for, Remo drumheads. They
0: just sent me a plaque recently for twenty years. Of, oh that's and I'm like, you're sending me a plaque? That's awesome. I'll give you guys a plaque.
1: Yeah, they've but, been they've been amazing. We actually just did a uh show up. We were up in like the Hyannis Cape Cod area, okay. which is very near Zildjian, so I got to right. go. Um, hang out. And, did you visit uh, the factory? And all I that? did, like, oh, yeah. Man. It was great. So awesome. And, uh, like, oh, yeah, by the way,
0: here's a couple of crack cymbals. I'll go ahead and replace those real quick. It was amazing. <laughs> it
1: was just like, oh, wow. And when you walked in, you know, they had all these, like, legendary drum sets on display. Yeah. And just handwritten letters and just God, it was just amazing they've been know. so good to me honestly yeah. when i've they've been out been on the road and me. i have
0: some crack symbols and i needed and replaced real quick they overnight yeah. them to me it's, yeah no it's
1: wonderful unbelievable
0: yeah and their symbols of course they're the classic that classic rock cymbal sound you yep. know i yeah. love them
1: i've been uh the avidus line i'm really enjoying yeah they like the Vita kind of, yeah yeah they're 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 so great yeah. i'm enjoying them so much it's it's just a sound I've never had before. Yeah. And I'm just loving it. I've embraced
0: I used to not like Ks at yeah. all. K's were too dark for me, but lately I'm the K guy. I yeah. love the K's. They've mm-hmm. they've gotten a lot sweeter sounding over the years, or more recent. They're so to good. me anyway, you know.
1: Yeah, I'm using um pretty much all Ks yeah. on the road. That's cool. Um yeah, everything's K on, on the kit right they now. It just sounds so good. And of yeah.
0: course the uh, my favorite now is the effect, the E F X symbol. Oh, that's the one with the holes all in yeah. it. That just has such a epic sound to it. It's yeah. subtle, you know. Mm-hmm. I use it on my subtle crashes when I want to do it at the end of a of a low fill going into a verse or something. Yeah, it just kind of has this boah yeah. sound to it. Nice. It takes yeah. a little while to develop. It's nice yeah. and it's it's smoky sound. Yeah, it. yeah. I love yeah. It. yeah, they Maybe have that.
1: such a lot. They have such a great line and just so many different lines and so many different sounds. It's they're they're amazing.
0: Yeah. So DW drums. DW uh, Vic drums. Firth, yeah.
1: Yep. Vic Firth, Remo,
0: and yep. Nice. And Zildjian. Yeah very nice so um, what's next for you I mean you're just going to keep on touring with Jayco any more new albums coming yeah, up or anything like that yeah we can talk um, about
1: you know um, trying to think we're you know winding down on, on the road this year and I've got a lot of uh, programming projects I'm working on right now and a bunch of sessions coming up so it's been been a good gonna be a good end of the year
0: do you think at some point you'll be playing on the thing instead of Kenny Arnoff I don't know. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> I'll, push I'll call Jake and tell him. Hey, man, you got to use Brian.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll see.
0: Yeah. But um that's cool, man. Do you get to write with Jake at all on the road? Do y'all write together or anything?
1: No, not really not yet, you know. This I I I you know, it was such a new thing for me, you know, just getting back into touring and getting used to it cuz I hadn't been on tour since 2006. Wow. You know, and um this was just a perfect situation and, and perfect time in my life. And just, yeah. you know, it's, it's been awesome.
0: Well, I heard you guys. We were, we did a show with y'all recently. I don't remember if it was down in Florida or wherever it was. Yeah, I can't. We yeah. did one, and uh, it was just awesome. You guys yeah. are great. Great I, band.
1: We went out front uh, – Bass player Jimmy and I went out front, and uh, I got some good videos of y'all on my phone. Oh, really? I to show yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome, we, we, we were out front loud and proud, man. I wasn't oh, going to miss cool. it. It was Are you a, a Lone Star
0: fan at all? Oh, yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Because I guess we first started out when you were just kind of getting started mm-hmm. in the, in the mid-90s or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. That's I mean, I, awesome.
1: still, I still got all the old CDs at the house. Oh, man. Absolutely. That is awesome. I remember back in the day when you had the, um, the drum kit that sat... Backwards. You remember that? You had the big frame. Oh, were, it was at, called
0: the drum frame. Yeah. I remember
1: that. And you oh were like, gosh. you were almost laying down. <laughs> like, it was amazing. Where did you see that? Where, where Did you come rem- see us play? Or I don't you? remember, you know. I back in the day, thing. we may have done a show together or something, but I remember seeing that. That's right.
0: Yeah. Well, that thing, that drum frame thing was cool. And the idea it was... like was, a rocket ship. Yeah. Like, you had a big right.
1: old... It was like a big leather chair you sat with a big back, back, back on it. in yeah. it.
0: It was like you're uh, like in a, in a spaceship fixing to go up. But the idea was, I remember, I read somewhere that if you're if you're leaning back a little bit you're not gravity is is less yeah there's less gravity when you hit when you're hitting like on a wall or something versus on the floor um and the idea was to tilt the whole kit back like that and you're leaning back but and that thing was great it was fun but it kept falling apart out on the road (laughs) because we had a big set cart that the whole kit would go on every single time we opened that truck up and they pulled the set card out and got the kit out something else was broken or something else stripped out or someone else something else got bent uh it just wasn't the most robust kit so we went back to we did that drum frame and then we added a pearl rack to it so it was a drum frame stool and kick drum that sort of sat up like that. Um, but then everything else was on a rack, a pearl rack. And then that just kind of got replaced with a regular drum stool. It. What year would that out? have been? 2000, it was like late 90s, 90, 99, 2000, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know if maybe... Yeah, we were on a show, but I remember seeing yeah. that. I was, I was like, like what, what is that? Is that? <laughs> man, the kick drums way up
0: off the ground, pointing up. Like yeah, that thing was wild. That was wild. And yeah. it had to be strapped down and everything. I felt sorry for my some, drum tech. You have
1: to show me some pictures of that again. I don't know if I can
0: find any, man. That was a, that was a, I remember we were super busy and I remember I had a, my drum tech. That was the um, amazed era. Yeah, if right. I'm not, exactly. Yeah. Amazed. I mean, that was. Just going into 2001. Mm-hmm. That was 99, 2000, and maybe the early 2001 before we just phased out the, what well, it was just the pearl rack and. And then since then, I've gone with all cymbal stands, and I'll do the rack anymore. I'm a cymbal stand. Yeah. I, I, the rack is cool, but it tends to, uh, it's just hard to store, and it's just kind of hard to set up. And I, I just like cymbal use, stands a lot better.
1: I I, I I would say I hit pretty hard. I still use single brace. I like yeah. single brace stands. They're great. Right, yeah, exactly. I think it's yeah. the
0: 7000 series I've been right, using. Yeah. They're,
1: they're fantastic.
0: I used, I did for a while, I did the the I found these things uh, called turtle bases, and they're like, in the film industry, they have things called C-Stands, and that's what they use to put up flags and scrims and lights and things like that, and they're made for sandbagging. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the stand goes out straight, and then it curves down, and they also fold up really flat. The three fold, and they... Uh, fit nice and flat so I found this thing called turtle bases and they're the base of a c-stand and I noticed that my cymbal stands my mapex cymbal stands if you t- uh, take one screw out you put the stand down it fit perfectly inside that turtle base so huh. and we were having problems with doing outdoor shows and the wind would come along and knock cymbals over Boy, that so you- we sandbag we, it was great for sandbagging and mm-hmm. another thing about c-stands is that when you set them in the legs are different heights so you can set one stand right literally next to another one because of the See way that's the legs, what I like about the single yeah.
1: brace too is because I, I'm, I'm get them close I'm, to each other yeah, if they I'm need to. I'm a pretty to. small guy and I set up <laughs> pretty, pretty compact and pretty low and everything. Yeah. And uh, I always like to play down into my drums, right? Okay. Instead of yeah. up to them course, yeah. and kind of down onto my cymbals. Yeah. And uh, Stuart Copeland-ish. But yeah, and that single brace really, yeah. especially when I'm recording, you know, it's a lot easier to get. Symbol stands in for me yeah you and know they for, put for the engineer all in for there the mic everything. stands excuse me yeah, yeah for them to put the you know it just yeah. takes up a little less room sure and uh, yeah.
0: now the one thing i never understood was the whole paradigm design uh, flaw with with uh, stools drum stools so here's here's my rant is that <laughs> okay a drum stool is designed almost exactly the same most of them as a cymbal stand okay look at the weight requirement for a cymbal stand what's made to what that weight's supposed to hold maybe yeah. 20 pounds yeah. and then you look at a drum stool what that weight's supposed to hold 150 to 100 200 plus yeah. pound guy and you ever notice drum stools tend to get loose and fall apart and yeah. break and all that yeah and I, I don't know if it's like their idea of that they're going to sell more drum stools or something or if it's just like well we'll just build them the same out of laziness we'll build them the same as those cymbal stands we'll just put a little stool on top of it so my thing is i want to design a drum stool someday that is almost like the 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 limb of a uh the the um the lunar excursion module you know in the okay. Apollo program when it would come down it had those four legs yeah that would fold up and then they would come out and they had the little round pad and they would that thing would set down on the moon I want to do a drum stool that's square tubing like that that's heavy that's like girthy and like really really robust and that will never fall apart you know I had an
1: old rock and sock one back in the day that it didn't even fold up oh and really? it had these like it had these industrial springs on four corners that rocked. Wow! Nice. And I don't even know where that thing went. And I mean, it had a square post I think that went down in.
0: Oh wow! It, I don't yeah. know.
1: I've never seen one since. I don't think I, don't I even know, know where that, that, that they thing haven't, was. The yeah. thing was
0: huge. <laughs> and you got people like Buddy Rich who you don't ever need to raise or lower your height. You know, yeah. you are the you're at your height that you like, and he sits on like a bucket. Mm-hmm. like a like a
1: the old canister canister things. thing yeah, yeah, yeah that, canister. that makes
0: more sense to me yeah but um anyway so that's my rant about about drum stools is that come on guys build them stronger man <laughs> you know, back in the 80s i used to stand up on my stool when i did my drum solo i would stand up on it yeah and i had broken many a drum stools tell by you what thing. the
1: the 9000 i think it's a dw 9000 it's got four legs
0: yeah i love and the it is it is yeah. stout yeah, i have it, one of those but it's the problem with that is the legs themselves, there's, there are four nice big double-braced mm-hmm. legs, but the the rivets that they use to hold those mm-hmm. legs together have gotten loose and waggly and kind of Mine just rickety. gets loose
1: usually at the uh, the actual where the uh, seat meets. Yeah, right. You know, where thing. you tighten it onto the rod. I had to, to fix a to guy's recently. Yeah, David that's... Black
0: with uh, with Phil Vassar, yeah. he brought it to me and said, you've you got a welder, you can— fit. So he brought it to me, and I re it and put the like gussets on there, and I mean, yeah. that thing ain't ever coming off again. That reminds me of a
1: funny story, though, real quick. My dad, you know, my dad was a retired welder, right? And worked at steel mill for uh, I think he was there about 50 years. And I had a cymbal stand break one day, and he said, "Well, let me take it to work. I'm gonna fix it," you know, and. Buddy, it was fixed. Oh my God! Was like a rocket launcher. <laughs> I think that thing weighed so much by the time it was done, but it didn't move. It was great. Wow, Dad that is fixed awesome. it. Man,
0: God bless him. Oh, I wish yeah. I would have had him around many times in, in the 80s when I had things break, and I, I used a lot of uh, pipe clamps mm-hmm. and uh, wire. And, and tape yeah. back in the day. Um,
1: we can fix everything with duct tape and gaff tape. We can. And I think over the years,
0: I don't know if you're like me, but over the years you get better at sort of repairing things yeah. and knowing little fixes along the way. Mm-hmm. Someday I'm going to write a book that's like the drummer's first aid kit to, you know, because you know, the thing is, it's like you're playing somewhere and there are no music stores open. You don't have oh, time yeah. to. you got to fix it on the Well, like you right the just said,
1: I always have a roll of gaff tape. Yeah. At every set, I have a bag that I take with my percussion in it, but it's also got drum keys wire you know, and drum and the, moon gels can, yeah. it's right, got yeah. it's got anything always take extra clutches for of high course, hats yeah. because that's the one thing if there's a house kit that's the one thing that some days you just show up and somebody accidentally put it in their bag or, to bring whatever. It or whatever yeah that's stripped out or something that's always yeah that yeah. extra pedals extra beaters yeah i have a whole bag that just goes you're a hard hitter aren't you yeah pretty yeah. Uh, i think ho- i saw you Hopefully, uh, you know, uh, only only one needed to be. Oh, know? I see. Yeah, I hope to be dynamic. <laughs> well, I saw you playing. Uh, yeah. The, now the, that a few I'm gonna lay into it, I in Jake's yeah. stuff pretty hard. Yeah.
0: I think in country, I think that's got be, become a very popular thing for a power drummer in a country band. But it didn't always used to be that way. Yeah. Drummer used to be kind of like furniture back there. They didn't even light him. They yeah. didn't even put lights on him. It was just like, oh, he's just a drummer. Just put him back there, and it's up to people like you and I and uh, other people out there that. Yeah, really we're laying bring into it now. To the table. Oh yeah, oh
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're you know, we're entertaining. You know, we're you know, a lot of these shows it's it's arena rock. Yeah. You know, do you get to do and a solo? Uh and no. I mean, I do a few little like drum break things, which is what you know. We have a DJ in the band, which you saw. Oh, that's and right. So you How know, cool we'll do that? like a a drum DJ break.
0: You oh, know, let's go cool, where he goes.
1: And, <laughs> yeah, which which, to me, I'm not a huge I my comfort zone is not soloing my right. comfort zone is playing a song that's nice you know that's just, that's just that's where i where i love to be so that kind of stuff uh, i love to do yeah. you know that's that's my main i love that
0: the meat potatoes man.
1: yeah to have have something supporting with it you yeah. know i i love that you know so actually our, our dj and i we we have a cool oh i don't know it's probably about a minute long and it, it, it's it's a it's a fun moment in the show for us oh that's um, awesome a little it's going into a the duet. barefoot blue jean night song and, <laughs> oh right um, okay and we do we do a fun thing and it, it's it's I, I enjoy that kind of stuff
0: yeah that's cool yeah nice
1: but big old solos you know Jake, Jake will definitely he'll throw solos around nights tonight so you gotta be on your toes and yeah. be ready so I mean when that happens oh yeah I'm, Take I'm, I'm there for you <laughs> Take Yeah, it yeah. Brian. <laughs> yeah but we don't
0: we don't have a like a design drum yeah.
1: solo every night no
0: you know, I just uh, had um, Donnie Marple on, my, uh-huh. he's on great. my podcast last week. And mm-hmm. uh, golly, I did, when I sat down and talked to him, I didn't know him that well. I didn't know that he, he told me that he won the drum off from 07 and all that. And then I just happened to, after I edited the whole podcast and everything, just happened to go and watch it on YouTube, watch his drum solo in 07. When he was like 17 or oh, yeah. he's just a little kid. Man, I could not believe the things that that guy was doing. Yeah. Reaching behind his back to hit the floor tom, doing <laughs> triplets and playing with two sticks in one hand and one in the other and just like killing it. Yeah, I was It was unbelievable. If you ever get a chance, go check him out. Donnie Marple, uh, 2007 drum off. And I think they actually put the video on YouTube in 2009. Mm-hmm. That's when the one I saw was 09. But um, man, you gotta check it out. Yeah, Donnie's Amazing. great. Very deserving of a drum solo, I would say that. You definitely gotta catch that. If you go see a, a Lee Bryce show, I believe he does a solo. Oh uh, yeah, in every I think show. so. Yeah, deservedly so. Man. Last time man. I saw one, yeah, he did. Yeah, and yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. He so, um, isn't it a great feeling to be in a band, being the drummer, and being just having that meat? But talking about meat and potatoes, mm-hmm. being the backbone for that band, and knowing that everybody is just like with you. Yeah. And listening to you, and you listen to them, and it's just like a thing. To yeah. me, that's just the most awesome thing about being in a band. And
1: yeah, you you know, you got to play the song, and. But yet, you also gotta—you gotta be kind of watching over everything the whole night long because people are looking at you for cues. Mm-hmm. There, yeah. you know, they want to know
0: that you are going to be there when yeah. you need to be there. There's no ambiguity about it. If so something no.
1: like you say, something you never know, something could go off the rails, and you know, you—who's the first person they look at? Yes, <laughs> yeah, and you know, you may you may have to find a way to get out of something, yeah. and you got to set it up in a way to make it abundantly clear that okay here's what we're here's doing. here's where one is yeah. yeah here's what we're doing yeah. and come with me we're gonna we're gonna we'll, we'll make yeah. it you know I used
0: to, I heard an interview with an old blues R&B guy drummer old guy man and he said in an interview that that it was kind of a rule that when things would go awry whenever there's a train went, you'd everybody stop mm-hmm. a big fill and you come back in that yeah. was just that's the way they did yeah. it you know if the drummer stopped you listen He'll do a big fill, and you're back in it. Yeah. that was the fit. (laughs) Well, what would you say uh, for young drummers starting out? Yeah. um, What is the best advice you could give a young drummer who is just thinking about going pro, and they're not really sure about it, they're not sure what the industry's going to do, they're not sure what their capabilities are? What would you you say to someone like that?
1: Oh, boy. That's a good question.
0: First of all, anybody,
1: all, all I can say is my advice is be as versatile as possible. Um, as in what we were talking about, don't just say, I mean, this is just my opinion. Um, oh, I don't do that. Yeah. You know, oh, I'm not going to learn to program. I'm not going to do that. You know, that'd be, uh, like another profession just saying, no, I'm going, I'm, I'm not going to try to try to word this correctly, but you know, with drumming nowadays, there's so many different aspects of it. Yeah. There's the percussion, there's Cajon gigs.
0: Yeah,
1: right. There's learning how- Acoustic to, how, shows where they are expected shows, to- Acoustic shows, which you can go make, playing with a songwriter in town or doing whatever. Right. That's, a, that's a way to generate money, you know, and meet people. Those are great ways right. to, to meet people. You know, there's obviously playing. Um, there's programming because you don't want to be the person they say, hey, can you throw up a quick loop? no I can't no you yet. don't I, you know yeah. you don't ever want to have to say no hopefully yep. I so mean I always
0: tell people be a part of the solution not a part of the problem exactly and that it, is what you're saying exactly
1: is, you know, exactly Be the yes
0: guy be the yep I can absolutely I'll do exactly what you need
1: yeah and you know I mean and just gig as much as you can I mean that's that's the one valuable experience and two you know and with gigs you know you may look and say well this one i'm not making a lot on this one i'm making more on this one it's mm-hmm. kind of you almost gotta you can't almost look at it day by day i i kind of look at it as a a month at a whole right if that makes sense because sometimes you're on the winning end sometimes you're on the losing end but
0: there's a lot know. of things you're going to have to do for free and I noticed being an artist in a band, mm-hmm. being a member of a band, yeah. uh, as opposed to just being a hired guy. There's a lot of things that you are sort of expected to do for free—award shows, and Absolutely. acoustic shows, and benefits, and photo shoots, and uh, you know, meetings and things like that. It's always a lot of your time uh, being asked, you know, to come in and do a lot of uh, you know things that you're not getting paid for. But eventually, you know, you're a member of this band, so you have to do it.
1: Absolutely, and that's the way you meet people too. Is yeah, you may not be getting paid for this gig but you're going to meet you know you're going to play with four or five other different musicians that you may have never met had you not do that gig and then eventually they're going to have a recording project or they're going to have hey i'm playing with this artist and we need to we need a new drummer or we need a new bass player whatever and that's just how it kind of goes and hopefully you're just fortunate enough to get in yeah. a position where it leads to some you know good paying gigs
0: you know i knew a bass player a long time ago that told me this was when i was first starting out i was in my early 20s and he told me that's just out of habit he would go buy a new record mm-hmm. from somebody whoever whatever came out he would buy it and he would learn every song on the album mm-hmm. and i remember thinking back then why would you do that that's just so that's a lot of work man i mean you know i understand learning songs that you need to learn yeah but and then now as a as a you know season pro many, many years later, I get that. I get yeah. where he's coming from. That's just, you're just developing. You're like a song learning machine. You become, mm-hmm. playing in the studio, playing live when the, the people you play for, the artist, whatever, comes up and says, we gotta learn these five songs. You're, you got it, you know? Yeah. You're a song learning machine.
1: You know, and there's another thing, like you were saying about listening and stuff. One thing I do a lot of times when I'm driving in, that that's kind of my time getting ready for my session. My drive's about a half hour right, in okay, town. Yeah. And especially when I'm feeling, you know, we go, you go through periods where you're inspired and you go yeah. through periods where you're uninspired, you know, like, yeah. Oh, I feel like I'm playing good. Oh, I feel you know, you know, we all go yeah. through that no matter what you do. Yeah. And, uh, I'll just pick a record and just focusing on the drummer on the way in and just like kind of get in that head space. Yeah. And then almost, you know, let some of that influence what i'm going to do for the day i hear you yeah. you know if that's you know
0: absolutely yeah uh, you're listening to that thinking like i'm going to be doing that today yeah because I'm that's not be what that i do
1: that i'm going to put myself out of my comfort zone and listen to to this and just kind of maybe take a tinge of something out of there today yeah. and see see what comes of it yeah you know if that makes sense yeah um, and would you
0: say listening to a lot of different styles of music your absolutely. As you're, You know young and you're just kind of coming up how that helps
1: absolutely and um you know i listen to you know like one of the manu kache is one of my favorite drummers to listen to and and with Sting for a long time yeah and the the robbie robertson stuff that he Mm -hmm. did and and things of that nature and you know i listen to stuff like that and i'll you know listen to pretty hard, you know, metal stuff. And I listen to straight up country. I mean, and I love it all. I really do. And, but I also think you, you know, focus on what you enjoy doing and do that. Yeah. If there's something you don't enjoy playing, you know, it's good to learn the basics of it. But if that's not, if that's not your forte, put your energies into your, what you really enjoy because that's what you're going to be best at.
0: Yeah. And would you say also about um, being original? You know, a mm-hmm. lot of uh, great advice. I've heard a lot of people say, you know, learn from your heroes, but don't copy them. No, like, no, take no. what you can from them and then make it your own thing.
1: Yeah, because yeah. I, I learned that when I moved to town because, you know, I would get a record and I, I'd, I'd have to cop, you know, whatever drummer it mm-hmm. is that played on the record for the live stuff. And it's like... I would actually notate every single note and oh they open the hi-hat on the end of three and and I mean I would go that deep into it and really learn that stuff and then I started you know as I did it longer it's like well if they want that I mean in the recording thing well if they want someone to play just like that person they'll just hire that person right yeah you know yeah take a little bit from everybody that you idolize and 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 love their love their playing yeah and just kind of meld it in with yours because yeah yeah if not they're just they can call that person yeah especially nowadays with we can file share we can do whatever you know and we can do all that stuff so you know originality is very very important
0: that's good i remember when simon phillips was playing with the who yeah he said in an interview one time or in modern drummer or something I can't remember which he said that you know i have to honor the stuff that that you know that keith moon played on because that's the song but he goes i i don't stop there i mean i add my own i get inside his head and then i sort of add a little bit of simon phillips to it well that's you know So he has his own thing, but it also he's honoring a lot of the the feel and getting inside Keith Moon's head. I thought that was really respectful. Well, that's
1: what I do basically, you know, like on the Jake gig, you know, it's like, yes, you keep the integrity of everything, but you you still want to interject. And I think all the musicians do that. Yeah. Interject what you do. Yeah. And what your comfort zone is, and you bring that to the table.
0: You serve the song, but then at the same time, you're -hmm. you're bringing your own little bit of signature to it. Absolutely. Just enough to where... People go, yeah, I like – that's that's neat. It's pleasing to listen to.
1: It's funny, the the longer I do, you know, uh, been playing in things and doing – and you can attest for this live, the hardest discipline, I think, for a live drummer is after you've played a song 30 times, not to get bored and just start playing for yourself. Right. Because, you know, we've all been there. We've all done that. Yeah. And I'm trying to be, as I do it longer, just – be that very disciplined, precision, and this is how the song needs to be played. Yeah. The first time I play it, the fifth time I play it, I mean, obviously, it's going to evolve. Yeah. But you yeah. know what I'm saying? Sometimes I'll go back and listen to some of the old board tapes I've done and, yeah. like, old gigs I've had. And next thing you're like, ooh, what am I playing? What am I playing? Am I playing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's a discipline I'm trying to. Yeah. bringing
0: my playing is is that. Consistency and keeping it to serve the song. Yeah. You know, keeping, keeping e- the exactly. Yeah.
1: You know. Don't cover up because there's gonna be a steel lick here. Yeah, or right. bass is gonna take this or yeah. I would either, say yeah, you I know, would say
0: the, definitely knowing what when not to play, knowing what not mm-hmm. to play is almost as important as knowing what to play. And all that sounds weird, but in a way, laying back and letting somebody letting the attention go to somebody else mm-hmm. and taking the Focus off. of Just keep keep time and mm-hmm. let them do their thing. And there's going to be a time for you to shine. And absolutely, you know, and that'll absolutely.
1: come up. Absolutely, and that's a discipline. That's a hard thing. It is because yeah. you know, it, I mean, heck, how how long have you? How many times have you played? Amazed, amazed, yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. And you know, it's easy to get. You know, let's just use the term bored of playing the same yeah. song every time. But I should it's try and like,
0: figure out, like, basically how many shows we do in a year. Yeah. And then uh, on an average. And then, uh, you know, we do Amazed once a night. If, you know, when we do that, and try to figure out how many. Through the year, since 1999, how many times I've played that At song. least
1: 2,000, I would imagine. Yeah, I would say. Wouldn't yeah. you say?
0: Probably, yeah. Yeah. I think so.
1: So it's like, and you could probably think of how many times you've evolved the way you've played yeah, that right. song
0: not and a lot because i i really still good. play it like as yeah. close to the, that's the challenge is yeah, like that's what i'm like getting you knuckle at. down and you say i want to make this sound as much like the record yeah as i possibly can. Yeah. You know and of course we change it up a little with the band mm-hmm. we do a couple little things from like because there were like nine different mixes of that song it was oh, a yeah? pop mix and there was a european mix and there was a acoustic mix so we sort of make, we have our own little thing that we do but it's is we keep it consistent
1: and that's a hard thing to do it you is, know yeah. what i mean because it's You got all like, these
0: licks you want to play and then you have to kind of narrow it down to like okay i'm just like exactly that.
1: because I I've, I've had gigs before where then the next thing you know I am playing all those licks that right, I'm hearing yeah. and it's like oh you got to back off a bit you know yeah, yeah it's like absolutely. being a
0: dancer in a play you have to, to fit in with the rest of the dancers you have to do your certain mm-hmm. thing you know
1: so as I do it long you know I'm yeah. you know I'm re- really focused in on that aspect of
0: it wow that is awesome you know,
1: I, I enjoy that.
0: How many people in Jake Owen's band now? Now you got the DJ and you and me, a
1: like. D, me a DJ. So drums, DJ. We have a bass player, a utility guy plays like steel and acoustic and stuff, and then we have a lead guitar player, and then Jake plays. Oh, cool. So that would be uh, six
0: total, then. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what we have. We have six on stage. Yeah,
1: we got six oh, on stage. That's
0: a that's a good amount, right there. Yeah. Any more than that it would just be too crowded or yeah. too much sound. I think. Yeah, good. We got a good
1: group too. That's it's fun. awesome. They're all great fantastic players
0: well we will look forward to seeing you out on the road with jake owen and um, and hearing stuff that you produced in the studio for other people and it's a great life to live
1: (laughs) yes uh, it is i'm enjoying every bit of it
0: that is awesome well i'm gonna sign off here from the band cave it was great having uh, brian pruitt here talking to us from jake owen and and uh, many other artists and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you guys next time and uh, we're out of here see ya. thank you